Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. It's not how you start, but how you finish. We are your co-hosts, Solomon and Jamila Jefferson. We want you all to know, no matter the cards we've been dealt in life or the mistakes we've made, we will not allow our past to determine our future. So we welcome our guest, Sister Davida Nelson, to share some of her journey with having multiple sclerosis MS. Welcome, Sister Davida. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. We're excited to have you. Can you briefly share a little bit about yourself personally and professionally? I am Davida Pitt Nelson. And professionally, I started out as a computer programmer. And I hate it every day of it. So I switched to the analyst side, which I like much better. And I started out doing sort of quality assurance, but I didn't know at the time that it was called quality assurance. And I worked in healthcare. Personally, anybody that knows me knows that I love to have a good time. I like to have fun. I like to spend time with my friends and my family. So basically for me, life is a stage. I'm very family oriented as I come from a very large family. My grandmom was one out of 14. So I have lots of cousins, but unfortunately, most of them still live in North Carolina. I spent a lot of time uh, there growing up in Tarboro, North Carolina. So I consider myself a Southern girl living in the city. And let me add that my favorite people call me wifey and mommy. Amen. Amen. So how long has it been since you were diagnosed with MS? I was diagnosed in September 2007. So it's been a couple of years. And it came out of sort of nowhere. One day I woke up and I sort of had double vision and I just thought maybe, you know, I needed a new prescription with glasses because I was wearing reading glasses. And so I knew something was definitely wrong because when I was driving, it looked like the cars in the opposite lane were coming at me head on. So I made an appointment, and when I got to my doctor's office, she tested my eyes, and everything seemed to be well, but then she said, when you leave here, I need you to go straight to Will's Eye Emergency Room. Don't make any stops. And when I got there, there was a group of people waiting for me, and they did all these tests. And, you know, looking at a little booklet, identifying images, and they cut the lights on and off. And somebody in the room said, well, she's got the best vision out of everybody in the room, even though I had double vision. And come to find out that that was optic neuritis. And I later discovered that that was a first indication of MS. So how long would you say you had it now? What was that, 2007? So about 14 years. Wow, to God be the glory, Davida, you look good. Praise his holy name. 
Um, was there a particular symptom or symptoms you experienced prior to your diagnosis? I know you had mentioned a double vision. That stuff. was basically the only only thing I had. I didn't experience any pain. There were no falls. It was just the issue with double vision. And when I was in the choir at church, I remember it was communion Sunday. Now remember standing in the choir saying, saying, wow, I see two of pastor. <laughs> I saw two of the choir director. And, you know, I, I had my glasses on and it didn't make any difference. But two weeks later, maybe, or maybe that next month when we got in a choir stand again to sing for communion Sunday, everything was clear. And I was looking out and I was just thinking like, wow, last time I was up here, I saw a double of everything. And now here we are and everything is perfectly clear. Mm, that was God's grace just keeping you. Um, when you initially learned of having MS, how did it impact you emotionally and spiritually? And where are you on your current journey? I immediately went into fight mode. I had an attitude of, okay, I have MS, but it's not going to have me. Amen. I started researching and just kept doing what I'd always been doing. Um, I did con get concerned about my love life. I didn't know if any guy would want to willingly date somebody or take on the responsibility of being with someone with a chronic illness that is so unpredictable. I questioned if I'd be able to ever have a family. I mean, I was still fly and, and still turning heads. Well, I crossed paths again with somebody I had met five years prior and found out that five years to us crossing paths, we met before and he was interested. So it's kind of good to know that I, I held his attention all those years. We were spending a lot of time together and I was missing my injections. At the time I was taking medication that required you to do an injection every day. And it was good to be consistent with those injections. And I had a set schedule, but once we started spending time together, I started missing my injections and I would do them later on when I got home. And finally, I just took a chance and, and told him I have MS. And I, I take these injections, I've been missing them and I need to take them. And he didn't care. He was just like, okay, well, I want you to take your medication. So I just started bringing my needles over to his house and I left some there. So if I was ever there and it was time for me to take it, I could just do it at his house. And we dated, eventually got married, and now we have two little boys. Now, that's a testimony within itself. Won't God do it? Because no matter what, God knew it was destined and ordained for y'all to be together. And he accepted you for who you are. And, you know, the goal of this podcast is not how you start, but how you finish. It's just we're not defined by what it is that we're diagnosed with or the cards we've been dealt. 
you know, and things of that nature. So I just give God the glory for that. That's like powerful within itself. It also shows the favor of God. And it, it shows that like you being transparent with your condition, your situation, him loving and accepting you for who you are, just how God does us as well. So you are a blessing to me. And this is my first time sharing it publicly in this type of forum, in addition to already sharing it with family and friends and some people from church that I was comfortable with sharing it with. I got diagnosed with MS, a new diagnosis. And, you know, I did get a second opinion. (laughs) And I said, who do I know who have MS that could really be an inspiration and a support. And I thought about you. I was like, praise God, holy name. Because I remember when you first shared it, I was like, wow, you look good. And to hear that it's been 14 years and you've gotten married, had two beautiful children and you're doing fine. And the first thought that came to mind, because I'm like always looking at the glass half full, I was like, okay, I get to meet some new people in a new community. In addition to, you know, talking to you and you being a blessing and sharing and being transparent of some of the things you went through. And to be honest, I thank God that it got caught when it got caught and how the Lord allowed everything to like come through. Because initially I started with having some tingling in my fingers and I'm like, okay, Lord, you know, what's going on? And it started when I was working from home. So quite naturally, my primary care provider said, okay, I'll have you see a hand specialist. So I did all of that, went, got tests, got the um, steroid injections, all my tests were normal. And I was still having the tingling and numbness. It wasn't resolved. So he sent me to OT. So ergonomically, I got everything set up right, you know, to work from home. And still, it was not helping. So she's like, you probably need to see neurology. No, excuse me. It wasn't neurology. It was spine, back, and neck specialist. And they put me on this medication for like two months and they increased it. Still no change. Well, now we need to have you go to neurology. So I went to neurology and he was like, oh, we might want to rule out neuromyelitis or make sure you don't have like an infection or anything. But what stood out to him, he was like, I see something on your spine. So it could be MS. I was like, oh, okay, MS. And then he was like, but what we're going to do is we're going to do a whole bunch of tests just to rule out and to make for sure. So long story short, I did other tests and then more MRIs with contrast and without And I got my result online. And then he called me a few days after saying, this is what I have. And I'm just like, God, you got a sense of humor. So I thank God for you because you have been such a blessing to me. And just to see the favor of God in your life, just 14 years. And I know this is not defining me. And I know everybody's situation is unique and um, on the spectrum. So I just give God the glory for that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not the end of the world like most people would think. Amen. You're still you and you still can do what you've been doing. Like I said, you just can't let it define who you are. Amen. Amen. One thing I found out is the most important thing, or one of the most important things, is get it diagnosed early. Because I remember my mom, she got diagnosed late. And, you know, when she got diagnosed it was already advanced, so she went right straight through that, what you call it, the, the three-prong game. Right. Mm-hmm. And then she went from that for about a year, then she went to the walker. And by, after about a year and a half of the walker, she went to the wheelchair because I remember one day she was carrying me somewhere and she was driving and she couldn't, she couldn't, she couldn't hit on brakes. 
So at that point there, you know, I'd say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So I went to the um, motor vehicle and got her license, took it because I didn't want her to hurt somebody or hurt herself. But but she she lived a normal life to, to the best of her ability because she went to everything she wanted to go to, even though she had to be transported. But, you know, as far as her spirit and her emotions, she, she liked you to be always happy, cracking jokes, you know, <laughs> got a sense of humor. And, you know, I enjoyed it while she was there, you know. But unfortunately, after about 22 years of that, she she passed on. But she didn't die of MS. She died of uh, blood poisoning. Just like my grandfather said, when he got sick, you have to have the attitude of the world don't owe me nothing. Amen. Thank God. I thank God that it was caught how it was. And like in hindsight now, playing it back. You had mentioned double vision, but some of the more common symptoms as noted from the National MS Society mentioned fatigue, the numbness and tingling. That's what I had. Weakness, vision problems, dizziness and vertigo, bladder problems and and on and on. And sometimes cognitive changes, emotional changes, depression and things like that. But definitely the numbness and tingling in my fingers was like kind of off because once I got diagnosed, I started researching and reading blogs, you know, just learning about things because that's who I am. And I just thank God that I'm still at a place where the provider was saying that the treatment that I am going to be getting will allow my quality of life to still be the same. So did you want to share a little bit about your treatment? I know you said you had injections in the beginning. So you've been in this for like 14 years. So in the beginning, I was put on a medication that required me to do daily injections. When I first got started, they had a nurse come out to my home and she showed me how to do it. They had something called an injector and you would put the needle in that and inject yourself but the downfall for me was that it had maybe about three settings and even on the lowest setting because she said at the time I was so lean that the lowest setting was still going to be too deep for me and so I was doing it and then you know I started noticing that in the areas where I had to rotate that I was getting, you know, like little lumps or dark spots from where I had been doing the injection. And my neurologist, when I brought it to his attention, he said, well, you know, you are still pretty young. And I know that maybe you want to, you know, wear shorts or have your arms out in the summer He said, why don't we try you doing a manual injection without the injector? And I was thinking, there's no way I can inject myself. But I actually found it to be easier. And so I was doing that for some time. And then the medicine switched to where you could take it three times a week. And so I was doing that. But then I stopped taking the injection altogether because I got married and I didn't know what the impact was on having children. I knew it needed to be out my system. Even during pregnancy, I didn't do the injections because there had been no clinical trials with the impact of the injection on pregnant women. And I didn't want to take the chance of, you know, doing the needle 
and the medicine having a negative impact on the fetus. Amen. And so after not doing it for about a year, once I had the baby, it was really hard to pick it up and keep that schedule. And so I just didn't do it. I did notice a change after I had my second child. And I said, maybe, you know, I'm seeing this because I've been off the medication. And they, they did say that like, Pregnancy was like the best time for MS patients because the MS was sort of at a standstill. After you have the baby, there was a chance of having a flare-up, and that didn't happen in my case. But after, you know, I started seeing little changes where I couldn't walk as far without getting tired. Um, my neurologist switched me to what I'm on now. It is a infusion that you get two times a year. That might no more needles. And so I just go every six months to the office, get an IV, get this infusion for maybe three to four hours. And that's it. And the whole point of the infusion is it's not a healing medication, but it's just supposed to slow down the progression of the disease. It's called the Disease Modifying Treatment, DMTs. Yes. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that. And I could be transparent as well. So everything got set up. So I'm good to go with being approved. And I'm too going to do the same thing. I'm looking forward to it. I didn't realize it cost as much as it did, but to God be the glory for having what I have to be able to allow me to afford it. I know you had mentioned your husband. What are some other ways you continue to have support on your journey? Well, I talked to my husband about what I'm feeling and where I think it may be going. Like if I get an MRI and there's new lesions, I'll let him know and I'll say, you know, they saw some new lesions on my last MRI. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know if I should be concerned. And he's just like very supportive and he doesn't research at all because he knows that I am the queen researcher. <laughs> um, he will take on a, a lot of things as far as with the kids. You know, they like to go for walks and I'll say, you know, mommy can't walk that far. So he'll take them out for walks and take them across to the schoolyard and let them run. And I told him, I can't run with you all. And so they're still too young to understand that. But I have a friend who's a doctor. So if there's anything new, I will send it to her and have her look at it. And she'll see, you know, what the mechanism of action is. And she can see the breakdown and she'll explain it to me. And I did join a few online groups. And you know, everybody's experience is different. So you can't really rely on the online groups because there's always, you know, a Debbie Downer in the group. And then you always have somebody who no matter what the medication is, they're like, oh, it's great. And if you've tried it, you might not have had that same experience. So 
you can't jump on the bandwagon and say, oh yeah, it is great. I agree. You just have to nitpick, see what groups fit you and which ones are positive because some of them can be very negative. And if you're not depressed, it seems like you'll get depressed reading some of the posts. But I also do a lot of research on my own. I ask my neurologist every time we have a visit, I have a list of questions that I ask him. And he would always tell me, stay off the internet. And I would tell him, well, no, I found this on the FDA's website about this medication, or this was in a clinical study. Are you aware of uh, the trial with this and, and that? And if I question something, he might tell me, well, you know, I wouldn't switch you to a new medication until it's completed trials and been on the market for a certain number of years. And I say, okay. But like I said, I, I just keep a list of questions that I have. And he expects that when I come in before the appointment is over, he says, so what do you have for me today? Because he knows just as much as I expect him to be on it, I'm about maybe five steps behind him. I came across a devotion. It's titled How to Be Grateful for Life from the Bible app. And the title of this particular day is Health. And it says in Psalm 139, we see a beautiful blueprint of how intimately God knows each of us. He created our inmost beings knit us together in our mother's womb and saw our unformed body. He calls us fearfully and wonderfully made. How amazing is our God? In this fallen world in which we live, there will be struggles each of us face. Sometimes a health challenge is thrust upon us, while other times we bring things upon ourselves. Regardless of where we are in these areas of our health, when we wake up each day, we have reason to thank God for our spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical health. Let's consider these habits as we walk in gratitude for our health and the examples it gives honor your body, strengthen your mind, grow spiritually, and it gives more detail. And then it concludes, in this life, we'll experience many health issues. Some seasons will be harder than others. No matter what you're facing in the spiritual, mental, emotional, or physical health realm, start each day. And this was my grandma's favorite scripture on my mom's side, Psalm 118.24. And the ESV translation states, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So it's not to minimize or undermine a person's feeling. But what helps me is the foundation of my faith in the Lord. And I'm like, God, you have got me this far because, you know, the number of lesions that they saw in my brain and my spine. I'm just like, God, I thank you for just keeping me and allowing me to continue to do what it is that I'm able to do in things of that nature. But then in hindsight, I'm like, oh, okay, that's why I was more fatigued. I just thought that was normal or, you know, just other symptoms that, you know, were listed. But I just give God the glory that all I can do is just continue to reflect on Psalm 118, 24. But what advice can you give someone who was recently diagnosed with MS or has had MS for as long as you have? Just keep living your best life. Ask your neurologist about Anything, any questions you you come across or that you think about, you know, regarding any new symptoms, any new challenges, treatments, 
and just adjust to your limitations. You know, you are your best advocate. So you have to be on top of things for yourself. You can't just rely on what your neurologist is going to say. You have to do some work yourself as far as finding out, you know, information about any treatments or, you know, any exercises as far as physical therapy, you know, if you want to try to reduce some symptoms, get help that way. But like I say, you are your best advocate. When I was looking on the National MS Society page under the section Living Well with MS, I love how it talks about having a healthy diet, regular exercise, stress management, and other wellness strategies that can help you manage your symptoms and feel your best. So when you had mentioned that over this whole year being in a pandemic, and I thank God that I was able to start an exercise regimen and like start connecting to a nutritionist. And she even gave me, after I shared it with her, since I got to connect with her recently, some information on nutrition and things that's only going to enhance and help. But, you know, it's just all a process. Like you said, it's unique. You have to know what works for you and just live your best life. I appreciate both of y'all being transparent, you know, because people need to hear that, you know, life goes on, you know, and I like what you just said, DeVito, but understanding your body, because like you said, you are your number one advocate. If the truth be told, if things get limited, then you got to know that. You got to know, you, you can't continue to do what you want to do. Sometimes you have to do what you can do. Amen. Mila, I can't, I can't commit to a, a healthy diet. I, I try to do healthy, but, you know, I grew up in a Southern household from my grandparents were from Tarboro, North Carolina. So that's basically all I know. So I know like eating kale and things like that are good. I'm the one that will come home to a crock pot with neck bones, white potatoes. And I know that stuff is probably not the healthiest, but it's what I know. Amen. And it's no judgment. You know, my husband love him some neck bones. It's no judgment. It's what works for you between you, God, and your health and what you know, because I'm not 100% healthy neither. Like, you know, I've been learning about paleo or something like that. My nutritionist is right. telling me. So like I try to substitute things that I love like for dessert with, you know, doing that. And I thank God my husband's the bomb.com um, helped me make some lemon bars that were paleo friendly. And it just helped me because I know for myself, when I do the refined white sugar and try to do desserts, it just makes it so much heightened with like a headache or a fatigue already on top of that so yeah I do crave like sometimes I have my my cheat days but I just give God the glory that I'm more mindful so we're all a work in progress so I thank you for your transparency and your honesty so um what are some practical tools resources scriptures or anything else that you feel you would want to share for those impacted by MS well you know with me well I'm no longer in the choir but when I was in the choir you know, we would sing a lot of songs and just being in church in general, you know, as you get older and you have different life experiences, the hymns, you know, sort of touch you a little little differently. You you interpret it and you can really feel the experience, you know, you really feel the meaning 
behind those hymns. Like when I hear it is well, and you think about when we sing, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. Great is thy faithfulness. When we hear that, great is thy faithfulness. Oh God, my father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. It, it just speaks differently to you. And I used to listen after I first got diagnosed. It was a woman who was on Sunday Best. And her name was Sherry Addison. She released a song called No Battle, No Blessing. And she said, there's no blessing without a battle. Think about that. And, and that's true. And then you think about Kurt Cars for every mountain you brought me over. And Hezekiah Walker's grateful. And James Fortune, I will trust you. And then you think about the song we always hear, usually at funerals, unfortunately, but the song about I won't complain, you know, where it says I've had some good days. I've had some hills to climb. I've had some weary days. But when I think about, when I think things over, I won't complain. And you just have to look at life just like that. I won't complain. I'm still here. I may not be able to do everything I used to do, but I still have the activity of my limbs. I, I'm still here. And some scriptures are Isaiah 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burnt. The flames will not set you ablaze. And then Psalm 105, 15. And I think the same scripture can be found in 1 Chronicles 16, 22. When it says, touch not my anointed, do my prophets no harm. And then Isaiah 12, 2, where it says, behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my sound. And he has become my salvation. So those are just some scriptures and some songs that, you know, I reflect on. I love all the scriptures you mentioned. Thank you. And I love all the songs because I know you're gifted with uh, music and singing. So praise God. And I can relate to some of them songs, mostly all of them in from Isaiah 41 and the ICB translation, um, verse 10. So don't worry because I am with you. Don't be afraid because I am your God. I will make you strong and will help you. I will support you with my right hand that saves you. So praise his holy name. God is with us. You know what I'm saying? Amen. Thank you, Jesus, Sister Davida. I give God the glory for this. I was so blessed by this. Just thought having this conversation, uh, lifting up these scriptures. The 23rd Psalm, the first mm. verse, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He make me lie down in green pastures. He lead me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. So I like that too. That's very profound. You know, as long as you keep God first, you'll be perfectly fine. Amen. You know, God will order your steps and lead you where you need to be. 
and you can't rely on a group, even though it's for people that have a, the same disease, everybody's experience is different. So just keep being your best advocate, advocate for yourself. If you, even if you get conflicting information from your doctors, it's on you to research. And if you don't think something's right or you disagree, you just have to do the legwork yourself and say, you know, I, I disagree with this. I don't want to do this medication or I don't want to try this treatment based on what I've read, you know, this can be the result and I don't want to chance that. You have to do what's best for you. So I just want to tell people, you, you have to be your best advocate, adjust to your limitations. You know, like you can't do everything that you used to do, but maybe you can do it and it just is not the same. And that's okay. <laughs> Thank you, my sister. This has been such a blessing. To God be the glory. Yay. It blessed me. Praise his holy name. And I know it blessed Solomon. Amen. And our prayer is that it continues to bless others who listen and to know that it's not how you start, but how you finish. And it's about the journey. It's taking it as it comes. Right. Taking it as it comes. And that like at the end of the day, this journey that we're on is so bigger than us. And God is so and continues to be faithful. Amen. We love you, yeah. my sister in Christ. We God thank God you, for you. Thank you. Yes. Love you guys. Thank you for having me. So no matter the cards we've been dealt in life or the mistakes we have made, it does not define who we are or where we are going. It is just a part of our story and the journey that God has us on to not only learn from these different experiences, but to sometimes be able to help support, encourage, and inspire others who may be going through similar situations. My husband and I have learned this to be true because of our different life experiences, which have led us in wanting to continue to share our story along with others to know it is not how you start, but how you finish.